0: Hello Gasheads and welcome to this week's build-up episode, looking ahead to Saturday's game away at Coventry. Um, I'm your host Max Alderson and I'm delighted to be joined again by Laurie from The Lonely Season. Hi Laurie, how are you? Yeah, I'm good Max, how are you doing? Very good, thank you. Good to speak to you again. This is your second or third appearance on Gascast, I can't remember.
1: I think it's second. Um, Rob did one before but this is my second.
0: That's right, yeah, we'll have to give you guys a hat-trick ball for your third appearance on, uh, on Gascast. Yeah, very always good to have your insight on Coventry. Um, we've played each other quite a bit in succession and uh, we've got a few links obviously with the players going to and from so it's good to get your insight on uh, on all things Coventry and Rovers related. Um, early days in the season, um, why don't you talk us through briefly your first two games um, and how you think you've done uh, in these, this opening fortnight of the season. You uh, started with a solid 1 0 win at home against South End United, Zane Westbrook with the only goal. And then, um, probably a more disappointing 0 0 away at Bolton, or what is effectively Bolton's youth side. Um well, you talk <laughs> us through each of those? No, I don't, don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but. You should. Um, You've you you got to say it how it is, unfortunately, Laurie.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't hold back, mate. No one else is. So, yeah, so South End, I didn't actually go to that game, um, but I've seen the highlights and spoken to people about it and it was just i think it was a pretty even game we popped one in from the edge of the box like you said zane westbrook um and we ended up beating them but i don't think it was particularly um comprehensive south end um missed an incredible chance late on in the game and made our keeper produce some pretty excellent saves so um it, it wasn't like we um we ground it out um, with any kind of security, but Bolton was um, a serious um, crash back down to earth because they barely played a senior player. I think their oldest player was maybe 23 or 24. They had Kurt Zuma's brother in there who was 21 um, and a goalkeeper who was, I mean, belied his 17 years with one of the best performances I've seen from a keeper and especially a keeper that young. Um and we we definitely had enough chances to win it. But I mean we had three goals disallowed. But you shouldn't really be relying on kind of debatable decisions to beat a team that is essentially making its football league debut. Um, they they didn't really play a striker. They just sat back. We kind of played the game as if we were playing against any other team in the league. And it wasn't a special circumstance whatsoever. What we should have done is just thrown our biggest, most horrible players up front and just bombarded them for as long as it took before they just started crying and eventually just let us through. But instead, we just kind of had 67 percent possession, passed it around neatly in front of them, and didn't really ask too many questions, and then were outraged when the referee didn't give a few contentious penalties and the linesman kept on disallowing goals like it was going out of fashion. Um, so, yeah, it was really disappointing. And one of the goals, definitely, I say definitely, it was still, it was still kind of a hard one to, to call. But the kind of wider problems that came out of that game were we've signed this new striker from Peterborough called Matt Godden. And he, we've used the Connor Chaplin money to sign him. And it's not entirely clear where he's going to play because we play started playing a 4-3-3 this year. We just sold Tom Bayless to Preston, yeah. who is our kind of shining light. And he was the fulcrum of this 4-2-3-1 that we played. But now he's gone. We're playing a 4-3-3 with Bakayoko, um, of Walsall and semi-Bristol Rovers fame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at the front of it. And he's kind of like... An unbelievably incompetent but key member of the squad, um, which is really hard to explain, because he no, has. I, a... I,
0: I think I understand what you mean. We've all had a lot of clubs have had strikers like that, which are um, they lack grace, shall we say, but um, do offer in other areas, and I, I can I can understand that he is why he'd be a focal point. But are you surely Matt Godden, with um, the impressive start he had at Peterborough surely deserves at least a, a try up front as as a solo striker with like you say a an attacking three behind him do you not think that would work better than someone like baki yoko
1: oh 100% but um mark robbins is stubborn at the best of times so he normally decides to do something and then sticks with it whether it's going well or not um and yeah i don't know just cuz he signed conor chaplin last year and it quickly became clear that we didn't know what to do with conor chaplin and I'm hoping the same thing hasn't happened here, but it does look a little bit like that might be happening again. And we just have other players who really rely on playing with that. We really needed to play a 4-4-2 on Saturday, but we have other players who we almost render um, irrelevant if we change to that system. Like we've got this guy called Geordie Hawula who plays kind of like a attacking left forward. He can't yeah. really play as part of a two. He can't really play left midfield. And he was our top scorer last year. So Robbins really wants to keep him in the team. Um, we've got this guy we've signed called Jabello, who's a kind of right attacking forward. Kind of, He's more of an out-and-out winger than Huwula. So he's trying to get him into the side. And without Bayliss as that like natural um, kind of number eight. He's not quite, not really a number 10, just a kind of attacking central midfielder. Um, we now have three slightly more pedestrian midfielders in that middle three. So yeah, I mean it's early days, but it was really testing watching us huff and puff against Bolton on Saturday because they weren't up to anything and we ran out of ideas pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, and I guess that's that's it's it's a frustrating thing because you almost Want to have faith in the system that you play, but at the same time, it's such a unique fixture um that you almost think perhaps could have you could you have gone four four two and had two central midfielders because they're not going to be out muscled or bullied by the the youth midfielders of Bolton and uh, had two up front against their two centre backs rather than just one. um I'm not sure how you know. I don't know if you've prepared for that eventuality in pre season. I know we haven't prepared for a four four two too much. Um, but it's one of those where do you do you set up that way and adapt and change change your system for the sake of that one fixture because it is almost a pre-season friendly, so to speak, in terms of the quality you're going to be playing. It's like playing a local side in a pre-season friendly where you can be a little bit more flexible. Do you do you think that that's what Robin should have done in that match, or do you think he should have stuck to his did what he did and stuck to his guns and keep keep going with the same team selections?
1: No, I think undoubtedly he should have been more flexible but he is one of the least nimble managers when it comes to
0: stuff like that
1: he doesn't like um just changing at short notice situations like he's awful at changing the direction of a game like once we go behind we tend to lose once we go ahead we tend to win and he he will occasionally throw like a crazy roll of the dice and do like a double substitution after 10 minutes of the second half like he did on Saturday. Um, But the substitutions he made were so catastrophically bad he almost should have just left it as it was. He brought on a striker who not dissimilar to Bakioko in that he's like physical, tall, not particularly great with the ball at his feet, but good in the air and can occasionally finish. He brought him on at left wing for his first appearance since doing his ACL a year ago. And it was one of the most agonising things to watch (laughs) as this poor guy, Maxime Biamo, just like toiled away on the left-hand side, just wondering what the hell he was doing out there.
0: Yeah, it almost sounds like he did treat it a bit like a friendly with maybe underestimating or just assuming that the goal would naturally come that would win the game later on without really being, like you said, too adventurous or flexible with the formation of the team selection. Um, Yeah, I I think
1: that... The atmosphere contributed to that as well, because Bolton, their fans were just going ballistic the whole game. They were so delighted to be watching a football match at all. And our fans were unbelievably complacent. Like, the first goal we had disallowed wasn't disallowed until about 25 seconds after it had gone in. Yeah. But we all celebrated kind of, like, clapping it, not actually celebrating it. It was like, oh, this is going to be the first of 10. Let's not get too excited. But then by the end, when we had a goal disallowed in the 92nd minute, obviously... We went ballistic, only to be made to look stupid again. But we were complacent. Robins was complacent. The players were complacent. And the only tiny bit of maybe excuse I can come up with is it was just such a strange situation to be in because it wasn't even like an FA Cup tie playing a lower league team where you're kind of against some team who's well up for it and really physical, going to like throw everything at you. This Bolton team would have been happy to lose one or two nil the nil nil was like winning the champions league for them it was unbelievably big result and i just don't think our players probably not helped by robbins had any idea how to deal with the situation
0: yeah yeah And i think it's one of those that people don't really know how to approach this yet um and as time goes on assuming that they don't get taken over before the transfer deadline um teams will sort of look at how other teams have played them and and almost like you you were sort of the first to do it, you and Wickham. um, And we'll sort of obviously, you know, see what what worked, what didn't work, what their weaknesses are, because they are a new side. And, you know, they may be kids, but you don't know if they're going to be backs to the wall or if they're going to try and play some football or if they're literally going to try and just get a point for their pride. Um, It was a bit of an unknown. So, uh, you know, it's difficult to set up against a team like that and, yeah, I just think, it, like you said, there's many factors and it's a disappointing result for you, but I'm sure you'll be back to back to business against us um, I actually on Saturday. Would,
1: I'm actually back us more against you than I would against Bolton. <laughs> that's just a normal yeah. fixture.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, why don't we move on to that a little bit then? So um, you are currently on three point, uh, Sorry, four points. Um, we are on one point. We uh, drew with Wickham 0-0 at home in probably what is the most boring match I've watched in uh, many years of following the gas. Um, We're very unambitious with our selection at home against a side that's probably one of the favourites for relegation. Um, So Graham Coughlin really hasn't shown any real attacking ambition despite the players he's brought in over the summer. Um, And I'm fully expecting us to line up with another rigid diamond midfield defensive formation away from home um, like we did at Towards the end of last season when we came to when we came to uh, the Rico Arena and Drew 0-0. I'm expecting us to go for that again and just try and maybe snatch one on the counter. Now Johnson Clark Harris is back in the in the first team lineup. So um, from my point of view, I'm not expecting any surprises in the lineup. I just think we'll be solid and maybe try and get one or two clear-cut chances in a game and try and win it, but I don't think we're gonna be anything too ambitious. Um, how are you expecting to line up? Obviously there's a number of signings who have come in over the summer McFadden, Jamie Allen, Jabello, like you said, um, Castanier. I'm not sure if he's played for you too much, and of course, Matt Godden, the big one, seven hundred and fifty grand from Peterborough. Um, is it many of those going to feature, or is it just going to be the core of last season? Obviously, you've lost a few as well. But um, what's what sort of lineup are you expecting to see?
1: Well, I think on Saturday we had we had five players who finished last season in the first team, so that's a pretty big turnover, but not as big as, as some clubs. I think we're playing tonight against Exeter in in the Cup and Robbins I think, is going to play a reasonably strong team because he's been told that he can only really bring people in if we make a bit more money out of somewhere and he thinks that the Cup run is the way to do that. Um, But he tends not to really make wholesale changes. I think our back four will remain the same. Um, There were a couple of impressive performances at the back despite not really being challenged. So, I think we probably will set up four-three-three again. Um again, unless Godden has a really good game tonight. Um, Bakioko didn't play awfully on Saturday, um, but we, we have to make some form of changes because we just didn't really threaten enough. And um, if you're going to set up how you say you are, then we're going to need to come and break you down then. We do need some attacking threat. I think you should probably. I was impressed with Jabello. It's the first time I've seen him. He's just a really direct runner. He'll play out wide. Huwula, You just never know what you're going to get from him either. He'd be completely invisible. He won't really have a game where you'll say he's awful, but you just won't even notice he's on the pitch. And that does happen at least like two out of every five games. Um. So it it just kind of depends whether Robbins has decides this four three three. Isn't a goer, and he's going to change it up to get Gordon into the side. But I think that would be a very unRobins thing to do. So sure. I would expect another four-three-three, maybe a couple of changes. Zane Westbrook, who scored in the first game, had a particularly poor game against Bolton, so um, he might come out. Jamie Allen is has been um, signed to play as our first-choice central midfielder. So, and everyone's talking about him as if he's going to reinvent the wheel for us so
0: well him and him and McFadzian were were two key players in that Burton side last season who were probably one of the few teams not involved in a relegation scrap along with yourselves um two good players I think so um, Jamie Allen in in particular was impressed by he's only 24 as well I believe so uh, his best years are ahead of him McFadzian's obviously a bit more experienced but um two players there who I would expect to be starting for most league one sides
1: player to never play for Coventry City because everyone's talking about him like he's some kind of messiah so um, I hope he is because Westbrook is l- a limited player, he's he's kind of um, quite a box ticking midfielder who plays a lot of percentages and doesn't really advance um, the game or take any risks um, so I think Alan will be a more adventurous and kind of more fully formed player than that but um yeah, it, the Bolton game seems to have really created some um, divides in our fan base. Like some people, oh, it's two games in, we're just getting used to it. Other people saying, "This is Robbins' like 150th game as manager. Why is he still making the same mistakes over and over again?" Sure, um, yeah, but yeah, it's it's hard to say. We we need our new signings to start playing and actually getting a sense of how good they are, whether they're actually going to be part of the first team. And we've got people coming back from injury as well. So, yeah, it it will be interesting, I think.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's definitely going to be a strange dynamic about it, you know, with the atmosphere, um, the home atmosphere being obviously at St. Andrews rather than at um, the Rico. And obviously the, the performance at Bolton was disappointing. So it may be a bit of a tense atmosphere. Speaking of St. Andrews, what's it been like uh, from... fans point of view obviously it's the second time you've moved away from the recon now Um, obviously there's a lot going on behind the scenes that's still bad Um, what's the general mood among the fan base is this just sort of a delaying what is the inevitable or is this part of a solution until something gets sorted off off the field or do you think it's just sort of like uh, a kid not doing their homework um, until the last minute and just delaying it and delaying it and delaying it do you think that Sisu are going to Um, sell up or or find a solution or or are they just sort of pushing the issue aside so to speak
1: well um, Dave Boddy and Sisu said that there was no way we could agree to the terms that were being laid out to us by um, WASPs and to stay at the Rico. so I mean who knows how true that is actually spent some of the journey talking to um, our chairman on the way back from Bolton he came on the train with us Um, and he just said it was impossible for us to agree to it because it would have been catastrophic for the club. I mean, I don't really know how much of that to believe. Um, But in terms of the mood of the fans, um, even the attendance indicates that people are more positive or at least more forgiving about this move than they were about Northampton because I think it was about six or 7,000, which is more than northampton was i mean it was it, it was down at like kind of 11 1200 for some games in northampton so really like yeah apocalyptic attendances i and people said that the atmosphere was pretty pretty nice um against south end like we fill up one stand so i think for the bigger games we might have like two stands or we have one stand for the away fans but at least two stands for home fans um Yeah, I think it's hard to gauge at the moment. There's so much noise on Twitter and there's always rumours flying around about how we'll be back in by October once this, that and the other gets done. Um, I still think that wasps need the money too badly for us to remain the entire season at St. Andrews. So I, I don't think it's impossible that we'll be back at the Rico before January. But in terms of making a prediction about whether Sisu are going to sell. I don't think Sisu are going to sell the club. Like, who would buy it in their right mind? We have no assets whatsoever. Sure. It's, it's literally the least appealing um, mm-hmm. <laughs> prospect in the world. But like there's, there's a dozen other clubs you'd buy before the yeah. country. It's, yeah, it's madness. People who talk about these saviors bowling in to kind of change everything. Like, they sure. They, I wouldn't trust anyone to buy us because I think, have you not looked at
0: the other <laughs> Yeah. This is sure. a disaster. Yeah. But there, there has to be a way forward and a, a direction that the club goes in. It, it's, you know, it's it's sad to see the state of the EFL at the minute, but Coventry in particular is just a situation that almost has no solution and there needs to be a solution and a direction. Um, otherwise it's just going to be, Could could it just be this every season, you know, moving elsewhere. I don't know, I'm not a Coventry fan, so I'm not sure on the ins and outs, but from the outside looking in, it just seems like such a sad situation that surely has to have a solution between wasps and, and yourselves. Um, you know. I know yeah, that... it's
1: bleak, like and some people I think get really, really down about it. Um but I I've felt pretty powerless about the situation for like quite a long time. So I really just try and concentrate on the football as much as I can because if you get bogged down in the politics of this club you'd never think about anything else and nobody got into supporting football to like think about club politics I don't think yeah Um, and I can understand what people do because they think that arguing about it on Twitter with other fans is going to lead to some kind of progress but it's just it's too dismal like if you ever even actually look into the finances of our club as well that is pretty terrifying and I think we've actually been semi-decent in the last 18 months, two years in terms of taking money in and actually putting it back into the club we've sold some good players but um, we are actually paying money for people and buying good players so it isn't a complete asset strip at the moment CCR um, reinvesting some of the money that we're getting from people like Bayliss and Madison Um, hopefully when Callum Wilson goes and if Madison goes, we'll get more money. Um, we, we definitely will get more money. And CSU have proved that they will actually spend a percentage, if not all of, um, the money that's coming in on new players because getting us into a higher division is going to make their money. So, yeah, I mean, like you say, it's a bleak situation, but um, Mark Robbins has made it easier over the last 18 months to be a Cof fan.
0: That's good to hear. Um before we sign off um should we get some match predictions from yourself and and myself on how we think we're gonna do um I'll start with you how do you How do you think we're gonna how do you think the final score will look on saturday afternoon I think the fact that
1: have you scored a goal yet
0: We have not no <laughs> um, okay, you haven't no. scored a
1: goal we haven't conceded a goal, so I'm gonna go with. Surely Johnson Clark Harris has got to score at some point, so I think two one to us. Okay,
0: yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. I mean, we, like you say, we've not scored a goal, but we have got Johnson Clark Harris back, and um, <laughs> I have the I've just had a notification pop up on my phone of our line up tonight against Cheltenham in Town, and he is starting um, up front with Tyler Smith and Kyle Bennett either side of him, so a 4-3-3 rather than the diamond I was talking about, which looks a little bit more attacking. If that does well tonight, we may play something a bit more adventurous, but I'd still think he'll stick to his guns and away from home. He likes to grind out results. So I, I'm not expecting anything exciting from us. And I do think you do have a lot of quality, especially with God up front. And you've spoken about Jebello, uh, this, this this evening with me and how direct he is and how quick he is down the wing. Um, I could just, yeah, I just can't see us keeping a clean sheet after after Blackpool turned us turned us apart uh, on the opening day. So um, I, I would say 2 1's fair. I'll probably agree with that and say 2 1, two, one Coventry. Um, so I'm in, I'm in agreement. Yeah. I mean,
1: we are finishing with absolutely abysmal on Saturday. So <laughs> definitely hold out. Like things could definitely
0: change. Yeah. Well, it's still early days in the season, isn't it? Clubs are finding their feet, where they're going to, where they where they are, where the quality is. You know, new players jelling together. So, very difficult to predict these early results. But um, I've just, I've just got no good feeling at all going into this. So, <laughs> um, hopefully, we'll put on a good performance tonight against Cheltenham and, and take that forwards. But we'll see. How's um, um,
1: how's Tom Davies getting on?
0: Oh, he's superb. He did a goal line clearance against Jack Grimmer on um, Saturday. Grimmer had a late shot um, for Wickham uh, and uh Davies cleared it on the goal line and uh, both were talking didn't both didn't shut up about it um in the post match and uh had their best mates and now they're playing against each other. But yeah I, I really like Davies what I've seen. He's solid, he's loud, he uh he, he certainly lets other players know where they should be and if they're not in the right position, which I like. Um you need leaders all over the pitch and I think Davies is definitely a leader um and we've needed someone like that at the back arguably for Five or six years, really, because um, our, our centre-backs are quite small and quiet. Um, organised, but not the most vocal or commanding, and Davies is definitely that. So,
1: How many raking passes has he played so far?
0: Um, to be honest, I think both centre-backs have been trying to give it to the full-backs as much as possible. Because yeah. um, we seem to be playing uh, with attacking full-backs now with Luke Leahy and Mark Little. Um, so they seem to be, the, their instructions are, if they can lay it off to the full back um, and then play down the wing. But they you know, the the cross field passes haven't been of the best quality. Um but we haven't had the best of hold up players up front to bring it down. So hopefully with Johnson back in now that that'll be a bit of a connection between him and him and Davies. But we'll see. It's early days. I mean I like what I see so far. So um, fingers crossed for more of that. And Abu as well has looked okay. No, nothing outstanding but um Certainly not the worst player on the pitch, which is as about as good a compliment as I can give. But this, this <laughs> after last <laughs> season, um, so yeah, yeah, it seems seems okay. I mean, hopefully in January we're not raiding your your uh, bench for any more players.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll be raiding our own reserves for more players. I think by that point, once every, all of our signings have flopped, but yeah, fingers crossed. Well, we won't really do
0: that. Fingers crossed for um, fingers crossed for good seasons for both of us. I think we're we're too two decent sized clubs and um, both both deserve better than, than what we have been getting recently so um, yeah hopefully a good game and a good season for both of us so yeah thanks for joining me Laurie um, Gasheads thanks for listening um, we'll be back with a normal episode tomorrow um, please like and share this on social media if you enjoyed it and uh, up the gas we'll see you next time